8.40 here, didn't sleep well, so I was up at 3 a.m. And I uh, wanted to read this book on talk radio, and I found it available on Scribe. So put down for a free 30-day subscription to Scribe and read uh, something like Voculi, The Voice of the People on talk radio. Powered through it in about an hour. Then I put talk radio and described and read a book on how to be a radio presenter from a British perspective. Um, good tips. And they said one way that you can judge your manner, like how relaxed you are, is by how relaxed your guests are. Uh oh, Ricardo's here. Did you end up watching the documentary Germans and the Jews? No, is that on uh, Netflix? I haven't haven't seen it. So, uh, thanks for thanks for reminding me. So, I thought this was a really good test for how at ease you are. Is by how at ease are your callers, or your chatters, or your your guests? Because those who put on like the professional DJ voice, right, have a kind of that stilted professional radio presenter manner. Right, that's going to bring out a stilted. Manner from from your guests, right? We have a we have a profound effect on other people, and I think we tend to underestimate the effect we have on others. It's just when we try to get anyone to do anything that we almost never have success. But if I just share, for example, with acquaintances how much I'm enjoying the cricket, you know, the chances are ten percent or more of them will like look up information on the latest Ashes conquest going on in England. If I talk about a favorite singer or a favorite writer, the odds of five, ten percent people I, I chat with about it will we'll pick it up. Like we have a tremendous influence on people, and one of the ways that shows is in our body tension levels. Right? When you're around certain people, they just make you tense. It's on Amazon Prime and Apple TV for ninety-nine cents. Okay, I think I can afford that. So when, when I think about certain people. Right, <laughs> I just start tensing up. So I did my round of calls with my sponsors this morning, talking about the fourth step and like threats to our, our self-esteem. Right, that tends to like bring out not very you know, happy part of me, but threats to my status, particularly my status in front of pretty young women. Whoa, that gives a ten out of ten intensity resentment reaction from me or just threats to my social status in general, or threats to my economic welfare, or my physical safety, or threats to my emotional safety. Oh, and that brings out the resentment. And with the resentment, you can't feel resentment without a particular alignment of the musculature. I just start tensing up. Decoding my competing group. Yeah, you, you, Ricardo, you are so right, bro. You are so right on. I just love your intuitive sense of things where I'm all stilted. So, yeah, I should call this show an unsuccessful guru takes pot shots at successful gurus and uh, in the process tries to paint himself in a more moral, you know, more truth-seeking, more upstanding light and says, you know, the rest of these gurus, they're just a bunch of scallywags. Now, I'm the, I'm the honest bloke here. I'm the Diogenes with a lantern looking for truth. They're willing to absorb the arrows of outrageous fortune. 
but really it's uh, it's the unsuccessful guru taking pot shots at the at those who've made a success of being gurus. So that's uh, that's either ten percent of the truth of what I'm doing, or it's ninety percent. So it's just somewhere between ten percent and ninety percent. But absolutely, need to call to call me out on my pretensions. <laughs> so anyway. The next book I pick up on Scribe this morning, so we're now talking about 4.15, 4.30 a.m., right, is uh, Anthony Kumia's autobiography. And before I launch into it, I, I look up the reviews on Amazon. It's got sterling reviews, and it's a great read. It is funny and honest. I mean, he's awesome. Okay, Luke Ford is able to look at himself, not recoil in horror, not everyone can do that. I hope so. Uh, this is how Luke improves his life. Yeah, by the yeah, the more I can look at the bad in me, you know, the better off I am. Like being at ease with that by forgiving himself and not taking himself too seriously. Yeah, like I didn't ask to be a giant a-hole. Like I didn't ask to be this attention-seeking whore. Like I didn't ask to be this preening narcissist. You know, I didn't ask to be this person who fantasizes about wielding great power over others. You know, I didn't ask to be this bloke who, you know, wants Beatles level of adoration from pretty young women. Like, this is not what I chose. You think I'm happy being stuck in these outdated gender, racial, religious, ethnic stereotypes, being, being imprisoned, you know, by my own racism and homophobia and Islamophobia and misogyny. I mean, you think I'm happy like this, living in these outdated gender paradigms? I'm the victim here. But this Anthony Camille autobiography is the shock jock, all right? One half of Opie and Anthony. And according to my friends who've listened, like Anthony was by far the funnier of the two. So... I mean, I can do that routine in front of Wokesters, all right? I love doing that routine in front of Wokesters. You think I'm happy being a bigot? You think I'm happy being stuck in these outdated gender paradigms? You think I'm happy being stuck with these archaic, traditional, religious folkways? You think I like being this racist? You think I like being this... Oh, I mean, they laugh, I laugh, good times all around, even with Wokesters. The woke of people too. So, Camille's autobiography is great, right? Radio shock jock of uh, Opie and Anthony fame, and now branched out on his own, does uh, some shows with Gavin McGuinness, and you can find a lot of the highlights on uh, YouTube. But it's just relaxing to read this Anthony Camille autobiography because it's so honest. Like when my writing teacher said that. When, when you tell the truth, the honest truth, the painful truth, like, you feel like the molecules in the air around you change. Right? It's just so relaxing to hear truths, you know, to hear things that have only gone on in your head, but spoken aloud by other people. That's what's so great about 12-step meetings. It's like all sorts of nonsense and fears and anxieties and phobias and self-hatreds that rattle around in your, in your own psyche. Right, they, they get spoken aloud by other people, ones you didn't even know that you had or that you struggled with. And so you read Anthony Camille, or you listen to him, and he's funny because he's honest. He is really good. And uh, Patrice O'Neill said he had a quicker access to funny than anyone else he knew. 
don't even get in my way here, guys. Okay, got the light. He's really funny, really brave. And, you know, comedy works when it's true, when it's revealing things that we normally only hear in our heads. But the comedy says it out loud. It's just so relaxing. So releasing your body armor. And so to that extent, like listening to Anthony Camille or reading Anthony Camille's autobiography, it's a holy act in that you let go of some unnecessary body armoring. You, you like yourself more. You're more at ease with yourself. You can be more honest about what drives you, what motivates you, how you made a complete buffoon of yourself. It's, uh, it's good for you. It's redemptive. <laughs> right, that's the, the word that Christians love, redemptive. So, I just feel happy thinking about highlights of Anthony Camille's autobiography. The problem is, I can't tell the, uh, the more outrageous stories right now, but I, I will in a minute. But he's not pretentious, right? He's not putting on airs, all right? He's just fair dinkum. He's dinky dye. He's true blue. He's not Vegemite. And so he talks about uh, cheating on his wife with a very wild girl. And so he comes home smelling of sex. And so to disguise it, he gets under his old clunker. Like it's covered with grease and oil. Because he knows his wife knows that his car's a piece of junk. So when he comes home, he says, oh, don't touch me. You know, I'm just filthy. He's just covered in grease. That's how he disguises himself. Goes into details about their famous incident at uh, St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York City, 2002, where they had uh, you know, uh, someone call in, you know, watch us, watching a couple have uh, backdoor sex in St. Patrick's Cathedral. So you, you get two points for, for the backdoor sex on the show, then you get various points for you know, doing it at various New York City landmarks. And a security guard caught, called, called the police and three people got arrested and Opie and Anthony got fired, but they still got paid out on their contracts. So for two years, they didn't have to do a show and they still got paid out. Uh, so not the most elevating material in this book. And I don't recommend it for young kids. Uh, it's not a family friendly book. But it's just funny, and if, particularly if you're a man, uh, you should you have to empathize you know, with the crazy things they, they get women to do with zucchinis and other vegetables. And the riotous situations they create. Oh, so they did like this touring comedy t thing in Philadelphia. And Opie and Anthony's crowd was pretty raucous. Right? So on the one hand, it's good that they were intense. The downside was that they would just heckle you and most comics couldn't handle it. But Bill Burr came out in Philadelphia, like in face of this heckling hostile audience, and just went after them. Don't know much of it. And it was like a classic moment in stand-up comedy. Like he went before a Philadelphia hostel, heckling Philadelphia crowd, and just ripped into Philadelphia over historical things, pop culture things, sporting things, just spontaneously developed a routine on the spot and the crowd loved it and cheered him for it. Talks about how something like 2002 
I think they they learned that uh, Howard Stern wasn't you know quite as faithful to his wife as he made out. So I was friends with Kendra Jade at that time, and she told me when she'd go on Howard's show that she would you know she'd massage a certain part of his anatomy, which normally a happily married monogamous married man would not would not be down with. Camille's biography is going to trigger Luke's sex addiction. No, triggers are for pussies, bro. If you've got substantial recovery, you can feel the trigger just flow through you and you can release it and you can move on in your emotional sobriety. I mean, those two Sheilas yesterday, they were, anyone was going to trigger that, that part of me. But uh, I'm still no fap, still, still on the path of uh, emotional sobriety. Oh, now what was I saying? Oh, yeah, so Howard Stern maybe was not quite as monogamous as he made out, and uh, his home life wasn't you know, quite as great as he made out. And so Opie and Anthony found out about it. I'll oh, give us a review of the film, I am a sex addict. Opie and Anthony found out about it, and they started making kind of backdoor comments about it. Ford can watch porn now without getting triggered. Their reaction is a miracle. I mean, think about what a high level of recovery and spirituality. Uh, what a, you know, I only think about God now in that sort of situation. Can you imagine the, the level of righteousness that uh, that requires? You know, having completely transcended, you know, my animal body, that now pretty much uh, a creature of light, a man overwhelmingly of the spirit. I, I just realized that my instincts and the Torah's instincts are one. And then I, I'm realizing God wrote the Torah. So me and God are one. My instincts are the same as God's instincts. And so you know I'll only give you divine truth. I'll only deliver on here the divine karma. So anyway, they make uh, opium hands, make backhanded backdoor comments about Howard Stern struggling at home life, and Mel Carmerson, the head of uh, CBS Radio, just goes nuts. And, yeah, when Forty hears the, the the porn hub music, he just immediately gets the urge to get out there and help others. <laughs> I didn't know there was porn hub music. Oh, I lead such a sheltered existence. So Mel Carmerson just like calls him into his office, and Howard's the big money maker. So they get rid of my as the unofficial sequel to no. God forbid, God forbid, God forbid. I, I devote my life to dispelling prejudice and bigotry and gratuitous hatred. <laughs> so this book is so fun. Uh, so apparently Opie and Anthony fell apart when Anthony got divorced. So he was cheating like mad on his wife. And uh, apparently what kept their marriage going for nine years was that she suddenly discovered her lesbian side and she got into threesomes with our sex relationship. Anthony's very much more visceral life than I have. Anyway, Anthony gets divorced. Opie hated Anthony's new hot friend. And that was the beginning of the big wedge that drove Opie and Anthony apart. Opie releases his critique of Anthony's biography. <laughs> Luke, will Luke disavow? Disavow what? Uh, 
But uh, Anthony Camille's autobiography is a terrific read. Maybe, maybe it's time to do a decoding of the great intellectual Anthony Camille and his profound philosophical system.